this is another episode of On the Floor with Wayne Highlander and Rob Johnson. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager, Bone Adhesives. I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training, and it is 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Wayne. Uh, so apparently okay. you just rolled out of bed. Wow, just been so busy that I just time escaped me altogether. So, Rob, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, today we have uh, uh, Dave Darsh. And um, Dave Darsh, uh, why don't you explain uh, who you are and what you do for a living? Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks, Rob, for letting me uh, join uh, my first official podcast. Um, so I've been with Bona for 17 years now, have had various roles. I currently serve as the uh, National Market Manager for Adhesives and A&D. Um, so what I do is I support uh, the territory managers and Wayne's team uh, on the technical side uh, for adhesive-related questions. And I'm also spearheading efforts to connect uh, wood flooring professionals with members uh, of the A&D community, architects and designers, to give them uh, better information on the practicality of doing wood floors. Well, that's a, that's a big title. It's uh, a very long title, and I was trying to compress it a little bit, and I thought I did a good job. Well, let's get right down to it. You're a good-looking man. You should man, see the Dave. size of his business card. It's a three-by-five card. Yeah. Yeah, you're a, you're a good-looking dude, Dave. <laughs> very much appreciated. Yeah. I don't know. Is it the hair, Rob? Uh, it's kind of got that Richard Gere, Gere thing going on for him. No, it's not just the hair. Okay. Dave is a very regal-looking gentleman. Dave... I've always said to him since the day I met him that he's in the wrong business. He should be a senator. He should be the senator of Massachusetts or one of them. Yeah, yeah. Which happens to be one of my nicknames at Bono. The senator. Yeah, the senator yeah. from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Oh, my God. I would vote for you. I don't care what party you're at. We're not supposed to get political, but I'd vote for Dave Darsh. Absolutely. You want to talk about some of the other nicknames, Dave? Uh, no, I can't in this format. <laughs> All right. So Dave does a lot of public speaking, to put it short. Dave uh, does a lot of CEU presentations. We'll talk about that. And uh, so he, in his travels, he speaks to – he's doing presentations every every week somewhere. Uh, I always admire that. I, I, um, I'm not good at presentations myself. I, uh, it's something I've struggled with. In fact, I – just married a couple in California not too long ago. I was the officiant in the wedding. And um, I have a trick that, you know, people say that, uh, you know, you pretend that everybody's naked in the audience and, you know, you look above their heads and that kind of stuff is, you know, to you know, make yourself more comfortable and uh, when you're doing presentations. And um, I do something completely differently, and I swear this is true. I look at the dumbest person in the audience. You know, I size everybody up. And I look at the dumbest guy there. I'm not making this up. And I think to myself, I know I'm better than him. And I just look for him as I'm doing a presentation. And, and, and I will go back to him time and time again. And uh, it's helped me tremendously. So You realize he is now in therapy. Well, he doesn't know. <laughs> Actually, I should tell – one day I should tell a guy, I want to thank you for being here because – and then go into it. But – so Dave, so CEU presentations oh, well, is a big part. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. How do you pick out the dumbest guy in the audience? Uh, you go by looks. I'm sorry, you know, but I, I look at a guy. I think this guy's a schmuck. You know, I should, I'm sure, pretty sure he couldn't talk in public either. So I, I go off of that. 
I had no idea you were this superficial. And it explains another thing. Um, when you are up doing your presentations, you're constantly making eye contact with me. I didn't know what it was going on, but I think now I do. Well, uh, that's like me and Tim McGraw and Faith Hill uh, looking at you. I mean, it didn't happen by accident. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I miss working they thought, they, they thought you were handicapped. <laughs> they thought you were handicapped, and I know that you are. So, all right. So, Dave, you you you, you travel around the country. You managed to insult three different groups of people, and what are we? I think we're. Yeah, we're four minutes into this, so I no, think we're going to have uh, probably, except for introductions, most of this is already going to be on the cutting floor anyway, so it's really <laughs> good job, Wayne. Keep it up. Thank you. All right, so Dave, so you, you travel the country, country, you do a lot of presentations and, and CEU presentations, so why don't you walk us through what a CEU presentation is? Architects that um, are part of AIA and interior designers who are part of ASID. There's obviously a lot of acronyms uh, in, in this industry. They need uh, to get uh, continuing education credits throughout the course of the year. Depending on the state or the board that they report to, generally it can be anywhere from 12 to 18 hours education. And so they're able to do these sometimes um, on the computer. Sometimes they will go to a conference where they will, you know, bang six or eight of these out in a day. But obviously it's very, very uh, overwhelming for them. And then what some like to do is to be able to go to an event that has been hosted uh, by one of our professional distributors or a professional wood flooring contractor so that they can meet uh, the wood flooring professional and get connected to someone in the marketplace uh, who will be able to do a very successful installation, sand and finish on their behalf. Okay, so for the contractor, then what he's getting out, he's 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 uh, cultivating relationships and he's becoming the go-to guy there, right? Exactly. It, it, it's interesting over the years, and I even I remember when I was installing and sanding and finishing, uh, I liked the relationships that I had with designers because they really um, brought me to a clientele, a, a type of customer, a, a far better customer that I enjoyed working for. And the demands are not as overwhelming as one might think. Uh, sometimes when you listen to their vision and what they're trying to accomplish allows you to um, further develop your own skills and become much more valuable to them uh, doing multiple projects as time goes forward. What do you actually teach at the CEU, Dave, or, or what do you cover? I mean, the, you know, the meat and potatoes of the program. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good tutorial uh, that we have because it talks about the different types of woods that are out there, the differences between engineered as well as solid wood floors, and also the difference between engineered floors that might be sold in a box store versus engineered floors uh, that are sold through professional distribution, because there's a big difference there. After we uh, discuss wood and species uh, and the um, how reclaimed wood and repurposed and recycled wood is becoming um, more well 
used in the hardwood flooring trade, we then talk about installation practices. And this is actually the section of the, uh, of the continuing education that really interests most architects and designers. I'm going to read a quote from Floor Focus magazine, and this is the October 2019 issue. And it says that in terms of top problems, 51% of surveyed designers cite improper installation and moisture. I mean, think about that. 51% of, of the people who respond to this survey continue to see continue to see improper installation and moisture as a huge problem. And the other 49% was anybody that Wayne worked for, correct? Well, technically, Rob, 27% of those people cited poor maintenance. And so when I look at our, our CEU, those are the three areas that we really talk about. Um, proper installation versus improper installation, poor maintenance, uh, maintenance and obviously uh, the impact of moisture on wood floors. So after we go through that, we talk about the sand and finish process and why and what separates a good floor finisher from a poor one and what they do to deliver a superior looking floor. And then obviously we talk about the types of coatings that are available on the marketplace. And then we kind of conclude it with uh, the proper way to clean both short-term and long-term uh, wood floors. How much time do you spend talking about me, you know, being the best floor guy you ever met? I haven't spent one iota talking about you at our CEUs, Rob. I apologize. I guess that's going to be for phase two of the CEU program. As it should be. Rob, uh, must be, Rob must be done looking up the word Ackerman. So, so Dave, um, so with architects specking jobs, specking wood floors. That's like SCUBA, right? SCUBA? That's well, an acronym. It's an acronym. We spell it with a C, Rob. I think that was your problem. It was not A-K, it's A-C-M. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. So with architects specking wood floors, uh, Dave, what's their biggest fear in specking the jobs? So a lot of times what's happening in some of these um, uh, specifications is companies have been cutting and pasting um, specs for so long that uh, reading them is kind of a blast from the past. I was in the, I was in the Detroit area. And I was with an architect who wanted me to review his uh, specification. And the spec called for applying a lacquered varnish and then buffing with double-lot steel wool. <laughs> I, I, I knew you would like that one, Rob. I, I, I looked at the fellow and I said, that spec is older than I am. Yes, I was going to say that spec came from the 50s. My grandfather would go tell me, would tell me, Robbie, go cut me a piece of double lot. And, you know, back then, every the, those weren't written on the side of the box. It was, you know, 50, 80, 60, whatever. And, oh, my God, it was the scare. Because I never wanted to ask, well, what grid is that, you know? So I, I just cut multiple pieces of paper and hand them a bunch, you know. Hopefully one of these works. I, I apologize. And it's funny, with that steel wool, you had to learn how to, 
tear it apart from the roll without shredding your hand. Uh, so definitely uh, an old-time specification for sure. Oh, I can't believe that that spec was still – people were still going off of that. Yeah, and I've, I've actually seen it a couple of times, so it's it's not unusual. And then the other thing is they're facing challenges because they hear about products that will do everything, nothing to be concerned about, don't check for moisture, and so they see those specifications. And so what we're doing on our end is definitely highlighting that wood has a place uh, in the marketplace, but there are places, depending on moisture content, that a hardwood floor should not be put into. And when they learn what those thresholds are, it gives them a lot more clarity as they go uh, forward and, and specify. So what trends are you seeing, Dave? I mean, you're seeing more, more office spaces or, or wood floors, uh, getting wood floors engineered and solid, or what, what trends are you seeing? I know that the, you know, it usually starts at the top with architects and designers, what we see, it funnels down. Um, I'm seeing, seeing two things. I actually um, attended uh, an architectural conference uh, a couple of weeks ago in Tucson, and the experience is described as a speed dating with architects. I had 23 half-hour one-on-one meetings over the course of two days, and uh, trust me, by the end of it, I could barely pronounce my own name. But with these architects, um, on the residential side, the demand for wood floors is exceptionally high. Uh, I was talking to one architect from the Los Angeles area who told me that she has never seen the demand for wood floors uh, within kitchens and other rooms of the home um, like this in a long time. So on the residential side, wood is, is definitely an appeal. On the commercial side, we're seeing that wood floor is being used more as an accent, uh, an accent area that um, um, blends uh, with other medium uh, flooring mediums that are used. So those are kind of the two drivers for both residential and commercial installations. The other thing that I see a lot is people used to talk about naturals. And now I'm hearing architects and designers talking about neutrals talking about organics. Uh, it's one of the things that's driving the, the popularity of white oak in both residential and commercial installations is because of that, um, that neutral organic uh, look that white oak has and um, a little less busy than red oak, the way it takes stain and color. So those are some of the, I won't call them trends, it's definitely a development that I see uh, as I talk to uh, A&D firms. Hey, Dave, let's switch channels for a second. Um, you were at my training last week in Marietta. Uh, I want you to tell everybody out there, you know, um, what it was like to watch uh, one of the greatest trainers you've ever witnessed in your whole life. You know, listening to Rob do a 12-minute dissertation on the flock of a uh, water-based applicator pad was very, very informative. I would encourage everyone on this podcast to ask Rob that his next podcast be about the cell structure of a wood floor applicator. Oh, absolutely. You know what? We've been looking for more because we are, 
absolutely running out of things to talk about on this podcast. Which is why I'm on this Which is why you're on podcast number 20, right? Yeah. Don't take it the wrong way, but, um, you know, Wayne and I are, we're, we're, we're heading towards movie and sports podcast pretty quick. But um, now that you mentioned it, I, I think I could do, I bet I could do a good half hour podcast on a T-bar. I'd, li- I'd like to help you on that because I think I got a few things that you could learn on a T-bar, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> you think, you uh, think so? I, I, I know so. You know, I was ranked number three in the world at one time. No, no, I can't believe you just took that. You have no ranking at all. You weren't in Helsinki for that that contest I was and it was I placed number three so that put me third in the world you know what you were someplace ro- you were out rolling someplace yeah no I was three in the world I don't know it, the game changed since you got out of it and then uh, you were like in the, in the 1960s Olympics compared to like 2000 Olympics uh, how about maintenance uh, Dave I think it's uh, you see these jobs and, and I feel bad for some of these I mean I, there's a company out there that's got millions of square foot out feet out there without a maintenance program uh does anybody expect maintenance on these jobs no in fact it's it's interesting wayne that's one of the one of the only questions during the ceu that we ask for a a show of hands is how many have actually specified both short-term and long-term maintenance and nobody has ever raised their hand on that question so it definitely is something that they look forward to at the end of the presentation to talk about maintenance. Um, we still, um, I still ask people, how many of you are recommending vinegar and water? Uh, a, a very high percentage of them still do because it's information that they've heard. And when you think about it, it sounds very, uh, very homey, very uh, uh, natural and organic. But then when they learn what vinegar does to the cell structure of the wood, it's one of those uh, takeaways for them that make the presentation uh, valuable. Uh, The other thing that we continue to see, and my good friend Howard actually sent uh, me a photo, a beautiful wood floor, uh, I think they were like four foot by four foot um, parquet marquetry panels, and the photo he sends me is is the cleaning people, five-gallon bucket, spaghetti mop mopping that floor and all those all those um, uh, units in New York City are all around 20% relative humidity that floor is only going to go in one direction and that's up so miss um, improper maintenance continues to be uh, kind of a, a bane of our industry yeah come on let's it. do some name name dropping Howard who Howard Brickman of Brickman. The man, the myth, the legend, Howard Brickman. So, yeah, so it's just interesting to see how that continues. But on on the plus side, when architects and designers hear about how easy it is to maintain wood floors, uh, I, I had one. So one designer come up to me after a presentation, and she mentioned that she had been staying away from wood floors, and she understood that it was entirely based on misinformation that had been repeated to her by others versus what she was able to see firsthand. Hey, uh, Dave, you mentioned Howard Brickman. You know, I, I'm a, 
I get all the NWFA magazines. I, I, I go to a lot of seminars and schools, and the name Howard Brickman comes up a lot. And um, I know he does a lot of specking and what have you. Can you uh, tell me your background with Howard Brickman? Wow, it goes back a long way. Uh, Howard and I started working together in distribution, I want to say it was 1981 or 1982. And then when Howard um, formed his installation company, I uh, I tutored under him and was able to learn uh, so much about the wood flooring industry. And then even when I started my own uh, installation, sand and finish company, Howard and I would collaborate on larger projects, work together. We've uh, uh, installed gymnasiums over in Bermuda uh, together, um, very, very other uh, high-end, high residences, and it has been such a pleasure to learn from him, to work with him, and to continue um, uh, a four-decade friendship uh, that has been uh, has been wonderful for me. I had Howard in one of my two-day certification classes about two years ago and it was probably one of the most awkward classes I had ever done uh, every because every time I looked over there's and I'm thinking to myself well you know everything I say I'm I'm trying to say this to Howard Brickman the only way I could put it would be like me telling Bobby Orr how to skate or giving Bobby Orr lessons on how to skate it was just uh, I thought you did give some pointers to Bobby Orr it was more on how to pick up chicks, not so much on how to uh, how to skate. But Howard couldn't have been better. I, I mean, the great part was is I, I just kept asking Howard to, uh, you know, give his thoughts to the class and everything. And finally, I said to everybody in the class, I go, uh, you guys just have no idea how lucky you are to have Howard here and just it was it was awesome. It was an awesome two days to have him there. But like I said, it was like uh, coaching Bob Yor. You know, there's not a lot of coaching involved there. Sorry, I'm back. When when you said it, the story went back to 1982, I went and made a sandwich. I'm, I'm good now. Wayne, do you have any cups and saucers that you can bang on like you usually do right about now? <laughs> okay, so uh, it, it, so it, the value will establish that um, – you know, a lot of guys, when you say, we talked about this, when you say designers and architects, like, oh, man, I don't want to get involved. It just sounds like too much work. It just, it stresses me out a little bit. And, you know, can you maybe take some of the fear out of it and talk about the advantage of, of, of doing this, Dave, and some successes that you've seen out of this program? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting when, uh, you know, you talk about 1982, uh, you know, at that time, Pre-finished floors, uh, there was no UV coating on pre-finished floors. Everything was uh, stain and paste wax, and it was available in three colors, natural, uh, medium brown, spice brown. And it should, shouldn't surprise anyone listening to this that wood floors at that time were only 1% of the floor covering market because people did not like the maintenance associated with those pre-finished products. And now when we look at the market today and what's being done with wood floors, it has created the demand that has propelled our industry so that now um, a, a greater percentage of people are using wood as a medium because there are so many ways to personalize it uh, for each homeowner. So like I say, in, in, in talking with 
uh, designers and listening to their vision and, and listening to how they approach light and color and space. Uh, it definitely gives you an appreciation for what they are trying to do. And at the same time, it continues to help grow our industry. Very nice. Um, you see the, uh, the uh, designers and, and now um, the architects in these um, presentations that I've gone to you, Dave, that it seems like the audience is, well, get, maybe I'm getting older and older, but they seem like they're younger and younger. The, uh, the, and you're seeing a lot of millennials now in the audience. Does that change the way that you, you uh, do your presentation? Um, it doesn't completely change it, but having done these presentations, it has helped me to understand what is important to them. And something that I'm seeing that I, I do make it a point to highlight is that they like the story behind the floor. Uh, they want to know the, the riverbed uh, that the log was reclaimed from. Uh, they want to know the, the barn or the historical building that was torn down uh, to create that floor and, and to, once again, repurpose that, um, uh, the wood. I was just, um, I was just at um, a company called U-Tree in Villa Rica, Georgia, and uh, one of their uh, associate partners over the last couple of years has actually salvaged uh, well over 80,000 square feet of wood. So now instead of all this winding up in landfill and releasing carbon emissions, they've been able to repurpose that material, including wood floors. And that's what I'm seeing with, with the millennials. They like that story. Um, I did one in New York City where uh, an architect told me that they, uh, him and his uh, partner had just built a home in Costa Rica, and they were able to use a tree that her grandfather had planted and they were able to make a, a set of staircase out of it. So for them, that stair, uh, that staircase was more than just conveyance to get up and down. It was part of their um, history. And so I, I see uh, more millennials connecting um, to how the wood was used at one point and how it's being used now. I think it's a very, very uh, uh, positive uh, for our industry. You know, I'm sure this went completely over Rob's head, so I'm going to touch on this. You hit something that's very important. You talked about the story behind the flooring. I, I think that is so important. And, and um, you know, even with your, your business or, your, or the wood you're putting in or making it personal or if you can add some personal touch to a house or something like that, at, putting a backstory to something I think is absolutely huge. So I can see why that, you know, and – Gosh, the, the trade has changed so much now with, you know, logs coming from riverbeds and, and barns are getting cut down. I, mean, I know somebody used to do a um, take down the tobacco barns and make flooring out of them. And they would take a picture of the barn. And when you bought the 1,000 square feet of flooring, you also had a picture of the barn that it came from they could put over the mantle. And it's a great story. And uh, I can see where that would 100% make a difference. So very cool. So while Rob is working on a, a snarky uh, comment uh, back at you, I'll did you did you notice that too? <laughs> I'll make I'll, I'll just make one comment here that uh, apparently you've never listened to the podcast. That's my job. I would just encourage people to embrace change and working with architects and designers. 
will help you to see uh, wood floors um, uh, in a little bit different with a little bit more clarity. I, I think it can be a great collaboration between architects and designers so that as we continue to embrace change, our industry will continue to grow and uh, continue uh, to be considered a valuable, valuable part of, of everyone's home. So, Dave, how if you let's say you wanted a, your contract, you said, you know what, I want to start reaching out to these guys. I think I have something to offer. That I think I have some something I could teach them. How how would you go about doing that? Is there organizations you can join or? Yeah, all all of these organizations, whether it's um, AIA, which is the American Institute of Architects, uh, ASID, American Society of Interior Designers, IIDA. Um, international uh, acronym blank here, uh, but there's a lot of good organizations that you can join the local chapter, and that gives you the opportunity where if you are going to host one of these events, now that the chapter will publish uh, publicize the event for you um, to draw and drive people uh, to that particular event. Once again, uh, I know in, in several of the markets that I've gone to, I kind of feel like a matchmaker between the, the hardwood flooring professional and the interior designer. But when you think about installation practices, they definitely vary depending on the part of the country that you're in. So it's always nice to be able to connect a local architect and designer with someone who understands the very market that they're both working in together. Dave, I know you had a story that, uh, and I know the contractor in Michigan, a really good contractor that uh, got, got a, a letter from, or a call or a letter from the architect that said, I'm not able to attend, but the fact that you're even involved in this, uh, we need to get together. You want to talk about that? Yeah, this happened out in Michigan, and uh, uh, a, this was actually a home builder who um, received the invitation to uh, the CEU, and he called and said, look, there's no way, I can't get there, I'm too busy. But if you're telling me that you're associated with this type of program, I have three sets of plans that I'd like you to take a look at. And so he was able to go in there and quote, um, uh, quote those projects. So once again, it just elevates our, our industry, it elevates your personal professionalism by being associated with this type of information. They need the credit anyways, and so it's going to be on some subject matter. Why not have it on, on hardwood floor refinishing? Excellent. Very good. All right, Dave, what are we leaving out? Is there, is there a takeaway for the contractors uh, to get involved with this or, or – um... What could be like a, a final uh, comment we can make on this? Um, one takeaway that, that seems to be happening is that obviously oil-based finishes are very, very strong in many markets. But when they hear um, the information on water-based finishes and the, um, the shorter cure time, uh, the properties, the sheens that are available um, in, in water-based finishes. I mean, um, uh, the Traffic HD Extra Matte has a sheen uh, gloss level of around five to seven. That is a very, very popular look right now. And so 
by being able to go from oil to water base, now that allows uh, the professional foreign contractor uh, to reduce his time on the job and yet supply uh, a superior finish and be able to charge more for it, too. So I think that could be a key takeaway. Nice. And how, how much of these specs are you seeing that are just boilerplate specs? I mean, with the the adhesives, I've seen the same thing. And I'm, yes, I'm bringing back adhesives, Rob. Uh, that is, the spec is like, you know, way 25 years old. And uh, as much as you would think architects are up on all the latest technology, oftentimes you find, first of all, they have so many things that they have to be, I mean, they have to be experts in so many things, or at least they have to know an expert in so many things. Well, you know, I, I have a, a good comment on that. Um, uh, Chris Zizza and I had done a CEU about a year and a half ago. And as I was having uh, lunch with the architect, he said to me that, uh, you know, as an architect, I'm supposed to know everything about everything, and I simply can't. He said, what happened here today is you introduced me to the person who knows everything about one thing. And so from that moment on, Chris and his company became, became the go-to company for that particular architect because of the information that he heard and the, and the confidence that he had um, that the work going forward was going to be done to specifications. So it was a great introduction, and I know Chris appreciated it quite a bit. Nice. I think I've done a wonderful job of leading you down this path in this interview process. Wouldn't you agree? Well, this is my first podcast, so I really appreciate your being kind and gentle and patient with me. Yes. Hey, Dave, I have a question. You know, you've been in Bona Management now for a few years. You've been very successful with the company. And, you know, Wayne is kind of new to management. What's it like in those meetings after Wayne leaves and you guys have the closed door meeting behind his back? Uh, that, that's got to be some pretty funny stuff. What what happens in those meetings? We are not able to discuss that on this particular podcast. How dare you, Rob? Uh, I I hear things, Wayne. Okay, you know, good. I hear things. Okay, so. well, good job. And Keep then, it to yourself. And then I'll close with this. One of the things that um, with doing these uh, classes, I kind of consider them an extension of my personality because. I've been using Bona products since 1986. I used to give the Bona floor care kits to my customers um, and went right from using Bona products to working for Bona, which um, started in 2003. So when I begin the presentations, I, I tell my audience that I'm just telling them the things that I did and the products that I used that made me successful and made my clients very happy. So uh, that's why that's why I enjoy doing these presentations because they feel very very natural for me. Well, I got a couple comments, Dave. First of all, of uh, course he does. Yeah, well, I like the yeah. one where you said. Let's hear your comments. Okay, I, I come on, Johnny One Upper. Okay, let's <laughs> let's take him out. All right. First, Sorry, Dave. He does this with everybody. That's okay. My first comment. Come on, Wayne. I, I'm trying to get it out there. I'm really trying. My first comment is funny that you said I'll end with this when we're only halfway through the podcast. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a bum's rush if I've ever heard one. 
Um, and a second, uh, I will say, uh, you do an absolutely phenomenal job with the, uh, not only your industry, uh, with, on, on, um, the products and what have you, but it's also industry knowledge and, and, uh, I've sat in many of these presentations with you and I learn something every time. So I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us on this podcast today. And, um, again, this is, a uh, another podcast with on the floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.